This is a Federal News Network podcast. It's time for Fed Talk, the live show for Feds in the Know. From federal agencies to Capitol Hill, the attorneys of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth bring in experts from across the federal community to bring you inside the issues. Fed Talk is meant to provide general information about legal issues. However, the views expressed in this program are not intended to provide legal counseling. Listeners are cautioned not to rely upon any statements made in resolving legal issues they may face, but instead to consult with their own attorney about specific situations. Attorneys are not engaged in providing legal services while appearing on the program and are not responsible in any manner for the consequences that may stem directly or indirectly from reliance on any statement made during this program. Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. Today is Friday, March 24th, 2023. I'm Jason Greifel from Shawbury Institute and Roth. And this week, we're covering the recent South by Southwest Conference, an annual conference centered on technology, film, music, and education and culture. The 10-day event wrapped up last week, and we're hearing from government attendees about what they saw and why government attendance is important at that event and events like it that happen all across our country. And I'm really proud and happy to have our three guests here with us today. Uh, Let me introduce them. Uh, The first is Mika Cross. Mika is a federal workplace expert who participated in a South by Southwest panel focused on remote work. Great, glad to have you here today, Mika. Thanks for having me, Jason. Uh, next, we have Michelle Perez. Michelle serves as the Assistant Deputy Secretary of the Office of Field Policy and Management at the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD. She participated in a discussion on breaking down barriers to basic health care and those linkages uh, to the home place. Thanks for being here, Michelle. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Happy to have been invited. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, and last but certainly not least, we have Trish Martinelli. Trish is the Executive Director of the Defense Entrepreneurs Forum, DEF. And Trish participated in a panel on assisting startups with navigating the defense marketplace. Thanks for joining us, Trish. Thanks so much, Jason. I was actually lucky enough to be on three panels. So the first one was on AI and ML. Second was how innovation gets done in the Defense Department. And the third was the future of acquisition in the DOD. So, um, you know, the, <laughs> I guess they got a three, four out of one trip, yeah. but it was it was a blast. No, I, I love that. And one of the things that I think is interesting is that you each were down at this event in different capacities. Michelle representing your agency. Trish, you were there representing the Defense Entrepreneurs Forum, but also wearing your your, your hat as a, as a DOD civilian uh, in your day job. Uh, and Mika, you were down there to learn, grow, and, and network, maybe not necessarily for your agency. And I think each of those stories has, has value uh, and benefits. And so Trish, like I want to start with you because you told us about the three different uh, panels that you spoke to. Um, Can you just tell us a little bit more about those and and why you thought this was an important opportunity? Well, I I will, but, you know, I'll start actually at the South by Southwest from 2022, which is the first time um, it was the first time it was held in person again after um, COVID lockdown. And it was the first time that the Defense Entrepreneurs Forum sent, um, you know, a landing team, as you, if you will, uh, to the uh, event. So we had heard a lot about it, a lot of great buzz about it, and how the defense sector was growing. So myself and my partner uh, engagement lead for the team went down and really just kind of worked the sidelines 
of the event last year, which has a direct correlation to us coming back this year and, you know, being able to have those three different stages and those three different conversations. So I know that one of the things that we'll get into is like, is there a return on investment at South by? Well, only if you want people to know what you're doing and be interested in it. No, I love that. And we'll, we'll dig into that a bit more. Uh, Michelle, I wanted to go to you next. Um, so you went down there representing the Department of Housing and Urban Development um, and, and, and spoke on, on a panel at the event as well. Uh, tell us about your experience and, and why you and the department wanted to be part of this. No, happy to. So it was my first time at South by Southwest, um, commonly known as South by, which I learned while I was there. Uh, and it was um, a really remarkable experience and one that I never actually saw a place for the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, at least on the surface, uh, given the whole range of topics and conversations. So uh, the session I was in uh, focused on health and housing. And it was a topic that in our industry, we talk about quite a bit, right? We're constantly engaged in talking about, it, particularly the Secretary Marsha Fudge, how health is, uh, or housing is a social determinant of health and that housing as a human right. And how do we actually make that happen? How do we address the inherent challenges in making and living that, uh, that requirement, that moral obligation? And this session, you know, this is something that right now, affordable housing and the challenges of housing, this is on the news every single night. Everybody is having this conversation. It's impacting communities all over the nation. And in this moment, we could actually bring the actors who are critically involved and interdependent on one another as part of the panel I was on to have a really constructive conversation on how we find the solutions. Uh, the U.S. Interagency Council on Homelessness has a uh, national strategy on ending homelessness. And the ways in which that gets done is by collaboration and cooperation at the federal, at the state, at the county, and at the local levels. And so I had the privilege and honor to really represent HUD on a panel with a representative from the state of Washington, um, from their public health department, uh, that actually, we also had a, um, a representative, the executive director of race, uh, racial equity for the county of Los Angeles, uh, also someone who uh, represented Houston, uh, the public health department there. And in, in talking about how the intersection of all of those funding streams and the priorities and the challenges, particularly in those locations across the country, um, how we can still using data, using technology, and that was the intersection, honestly, with even the South by approach. How is data informing our work? How are we leveraging available resources coming out of the pandemic even? Um, what do we know now today that we didn't know then? And how are we shifting our priorities and using the information we do know uh, to respond, address, and at some point end homelessness in America? So uh, that was uh, a really exciting opportunity to have this conversation with an audience that we may not necessarily have ever had that conversation with, but uh, definitely connecting all the right folks at the right time at an exciting place. I love that so much, Michelle. I can't wait to, uh, to unpack your experience a bit more. And, and like you said, it, it's, it's bringing together parts and pieces that otherwise uh, might not otherwise be, be uh, uh, combined and 
I think that that's one of the things that we're going to probe as we get through this conversation. You know, again, for individuals, for agencies, for organizations, uh, how do you take what you're doing out to the folks um, and, and create that two-way street and that dialogue? Uh, last but certainly not least, uh, Mika, I know that you were down at uh, South By uh, f- focused on remote work. Um, tell us about your experiences down there. Was this your first time? Yeah, absolutely. My first time. Um, I was really excited. Hopefully, I was trying to meet Trish while she was there because you actually connected us virtually before the conference. But, you know, I had um, some great mentors who had been there several times before who were giving me little tips and tricks before I even went there, which was like, take a look at your network, see if you can ping people who you see either on the agenda or have uh, are coming from organizations that are sponsoring events and activities and such, and just see who's going to be there. So I started doing that and sort of pounding the virtual pavement before I went to try to, I guess, plan a little bit better um, through the, all the chaos, because it can be a little bit chaotic, I will say. Um, who I want to connect with? What things do I want to learn? What do I want to see? Because it can be a little overwhelming. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Um, it kind of reminded me of the Vegas Strip, but in a business setting. <laughs> Um, there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of, you know, exhibits and tracks and sessions and networking events. Um, but I was really there to take it all in and for all of the things, you know, for my entire career in government, both in uniform and out of uniform. By the way, Trish, I started in the intelligence community in my civilian sector uh, after 9-11. And I learned the value and power of innovating and thinking outside of your regular position description and really getting involved in continuous learning in that mindset. And so um, I was really excited to see, just from a participant perspective, the civic engagement track and who was participating. I mean, Michelle from HUD was there. Our director of the Census Bureau was there, packed house. Um, I saw folks from OMB in the session asking questions, users of the data in there asking questions. It was really insightful. In my particular session, you know, I was able to bring in contacts and colleagues that I had from when I was working at the Department of Labor in 2018 before I left for private industry. Um, I had served as the uh, designated federal official for our advisory committee on veterans employment and training for the Secretary of Labor and had made connections in the National Association of State Workforce Agencies. So, you know, when we won this, or won, we were, I guess, voted, it was a panel picker that I was on. When we were voted in um, to talk, talk about remote work as it relates to rural America and how it can be a game changer for equity and employment spaces, I reached out to Lori Adams from NASWA. Um, she had served on that committee. I know she speaks well, and she has a lot of contact at the state and local level. I really wanted to bring in that diversity of perspective. Um, when I was in private industry and 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 um, really working before the pandemic on employment, solving hard employment challenges through remote and flexible work, I made some connections through foundations and um, local economic development activities that were really solving hard problems in terms of how do you repurpose office space? How do you make communities more attractive to bring remote workers and higher earn, earning income level jobs to different localities throughout the country. So we were able to tap into Tulsa Remotes program. If you haven't um, learned about Tulsa Remote, it's really a fascinating model of uh, community development and economic impact and also use of smaller metropolitan city space, which I cited in a statement for the record for the Congressional Oversight Committee, by the way, um, most recently. 
but then also bringing in some expertise on the consulting side. So it was really fun because I was able to be a part of this workforce revolutionary track where I'm able to not only speak and bring some expertise and connect the dots for people through federal government programs, state and local government programs, and also just my passion, but also be a participant and connect with amazing change makers like Trish and Michelle and all, and sit in on some sessions, like I said, from some of our great government agencies. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to have all three of you here today. And what I heard in your introductions um, was even though you had a topic that you were there for or that you were speaking to, there is no issue that kind of stands on its own. So many things in our society and our economy are interrelated, intertwined. You need other experts, you need other stakeholders, whether they're inside of government, outside of government, at different levels. And uh, it sounds like all of those players were here participating in this event. And that's where some of the real magic came, uh, whether you were staying within your community or it sounds like taking intentional actions uh, to broaden yourself, to broaden your exposure and get out with others. Uh, we're going to unpack that some more after our first break. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Looking for more ways to stay informed on federal news? Every Tuesday, the Fed Manager Newsletter delivers completely free, straightforward news to the federal community. The Fed Manager Newsletter features top news stories affecting the federal workforce, legislative updates impacting pay and benefits, understandable summaries of court decisions written by leading federal employment attorneys, and columns from across the federal community. Subscribe today at FedManager.com. Brought to you by the law firm of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth, serving the federal community for 40 years. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. I'm here with our three guests who were just at the South by Southwest uh, event down in Texas and wanted to continue the conversation that we were having before the break and, and, and really probe around two different things. Uh, one is that uh, whatever particular issue you seem to be down there for, to speak on or interested in, um, obviously those issues interrelate bump up against other issues that were being talked about at the event that other attendees are interested in. And then also just uh, knowing that the three of you are based in the DMV area, wanted your thoughts on the value of going to another place altogether, going down to Texas and Austin and, and, and what that added uh, in addition to folks with these different perspectives and different core issues. And, and maybe Michelle, we'll start with you uh, for your perspective on that. Sure. I think uh, my perspective is slightly different because although, yes, I am based in the DMV, um, I represent um, HUD's offices of field policy and management, which are in 64 places across the country. Uh, so um, who we are in community, how we are known by community and the services that we offer on the ground to the people who need it most. Um, for me, this was, I think, almost to the point that was made earlier, uh, a whole different network of individuals here for all different purposes and intentions. And this was a place in which I was coming very explicitly with a vision of, I'm going to talk about health and housing at my panel. And I'm going to hop in all of these other different tracks, as Mika was noting, uh, on um, on media, on Hollywood, or um, uh, all of the other topics that were being discussed and, and see what I can learn and see what, what this South by experience is all about. And what I can tell you is in the first session that I went to, 
Uh, it was a session that was featuring the cast of a new Hulu, you know, series called Unprisoned, uh, starring and produced by Kerry Washington, who is one of my biggest fans, or I'm one of her biggest fans. Uh, and I'm sitting there in the audience and they show a clip of um, her show. And I'm aghast because I'm watching HUD's issues, the things that we care most about on the screen, a Black single mother who is living in a house with her uh, teenage son, the first words of, out of her mouth when she remarks to her son is, I'm sorry, honey, we didn't get the house. Or she goes to then a, a transitional housing center in Minneapolis uh, to pick up her father, who's just recently been released from incarceration. And um, the first question, uh, the 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 social worker, the counselor asks her and her father is, well, does your dad have a place to live, right? These are issues that we're grappling with right now at HUD. What are the impacts to people who are coming out of um, uh, being uh, justice involved or having been previously incarcerated or have criminal histories? How are they uh, being able to access housing in communities? How are they being received by communities? How can HUD be a a proponent in that. And last April, as a matter of fact, Secretary Fudge issued a mandate to all of these senior executives at HUD to really explore and examine what are all the policies that we have in place that are impacting and negatively harming individuals who are returning from service, who are trying to re-enter society. Uh, I sat in on a session with uh, Chef Jose Andres. It was a keynote session. I was absolutely just in awe of how phenomenal he is. Personally, I'm connected and a fan because uh, when the uh, earthquake in, in Haiti happened, um, you know, I have Haitian descent. My family is from Haiti. And, and to have had conversations with his team about that experience um, was phenomenal. And I can say this because as the Assistant Deputy Secretary of HUD, when Hurricane Ida struck uh, the Louisiana area and we had housing authorities and communities that had no electricity and no water, um, it was the World Central Kitchen who we, who we called on and asked for support um, to enable and to ensure that our HUD-assisted families in the moment of disaster could access food and water at a time of most critical need. So in every single room I went into, for whatever conversation I, I was ready to sort of engage in, we were having conversations on health and housing and people's well-being and the right to safety and the right to security. Uh, so I would say to you, the reflection of that in, and those are just two examples, right, of some sessions that I sat in on, uh, demonstrate that this is a conversation that is happening across sectors with all different parts of communities, um, which I was glad to be a part of. I love that so much. Um, Trish, you know, it sounded like you benefited from being able to go last year and a little bit more pre-planning, but I'm, I'm curious if you had any similar experiences or, or something else that you'd like to share. Well, I just, I love Michelle's point about how our governmental goals do not exclusively get accomplished by governmental agencies. So as the executive director of a nonprofit, I can tell you that there have been many times when we've been able to kind of like be a connector or a catalyst in a space where we can just move faster than some of our um, governmental, um, you know, comrades in arms. And, um, you know, when you find that right balance and you, and you fit the, um, 
you know, in the entrepreneurial space, we like to say the product market fit. When you get that right, uh, you know, you can really work some magic. And I, I love hearing that from Michelle's sector as well. Um, I know that we do that in the innovation space. Um, and it was really, uh, it was really uh, kind of a special weekend when I was there because um, it was the weekend of the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. So um, this just was like, you know, a, a shockwave through our system in terms of entrepreneurs, trusted private capital, the Defense Department, research and engineering goals and priorities, and the real life impact. Again, I think this is something that Michelle saw as well, that it was having on the real people in there. Um, you know, I had a very prominent entrepreneur who had stepped away from government, started a great, fantastic uh, business endeavor that, su that supports, you know, kind of our innovation forward leading edge for the Defense Department, essentially saying, well, I can make payroll twice. And then after that, like, I might have to close the shutters. Um, so this was tangible. It was real. There was a lot of great um, information that was exchanged on the sidelines. Um, so that was really awesome. And, you know, there's something about being in a different space. And again, I'm going to go back to uh, Michelle's uh, examples about cooking, right? Sometimes you just need a little, a different ingredient, something local, something different about the space that you're in. And um, I think that is one of the great benefits that South by really offers is that you can just kind of, you know, <laughs> you can have that vacation mentality of let's have a discussion that's not, you know, contained in the same four walls that it normally is and really get into like a different way of thinking, asking questions that start with how might we and just a collaboration mindset and space that really just opens up again, the unique aspect of being human, which is our creativity. Because I saw you, I saw you smile when, when Trish said, how, how may we, what do you, what do you got? To, to yeah. Add well, to you know, shocker, a, a, a person with remote work expertise and such a fierce advocate for different ways of working is going to um, definitely support Trish's comments around space and location um in terms of what it can do to breed innovation and just you know help cultivate a different mindset and perspective so for me i also went as just in a learning mode um i'm often asked by agencies and leaders really across all industries for advice recommendations thought leadership around certain topics well if i just rested on my laurels and talked about what i talked about even six months ago i wouldn't have anything new or interesting to contribute so i need to be learning as well my mindset so i sat into amazing sessions which you know the government doesn't just have this capacity already solved in some of these really fierce challenges that the workforce is experiencing so i was able to sit into a really insightful session on um, trans inclusive workplaces and what it means to design for the modern world of work and thinking about policy and equity and access and then impact and but from private industry who have been working on these things for quite a long while as well as from the perspectives of people in those organizations who are doing it much differently than the government has been able to achieve yet i'm not saying we're not working on it because we are but <laughs> it, it was just really really wonderful to just sit in there and learn and hear new things, fresh concepts and new perspectives. Um, I don't think you'd be able to do that even in a downtown DC office location. So like that, that space 
and even like like you were saying almost like a vacation but it's an immersive experience and it is so large and, and like i said a little overwhelming um if you're a first timer that it sort of shocks your system to just have to jump into that experience rather than multitasking doing work at the same time trying to get caught up there's no way i could have done that um and really be present and learn the things that i've learned we also the, i said into a session um, Trish, that was just amazing around asking better questions. It was how to cultivate a culture of curiosity. In fact, I'd love to see the SBA summit bring in some topics about that. Um, so I'm going to make some recommendations to their committee on speakers and topics for the December session this year. Uh, it was amazing because it was like, how do you put into practice this concept of, you know, the government's really, federal government at least, is really investing a lot of resources around psychologically safe spaces, which is so incredibly important. But this took it a step further and being able to assess like your individual and team's capacity for curiosity and then giving you practical ways to think about asking different kinds of questions. Amazing session. <laughs> and so I'm happy to share all those resources, but like, I was like a kid in a candy store, learning everything that I possibly could, seeing everything that I could, trying to connect with people. Michelle, thank you again for making time to say hi. Um, but I'm even jazzed now more than ever to still continue bringing these learnings into other kinds of conversations and sharing them um, with people that can benefit. I uh, I love that and just wanted to see if, if your colleagues had anything to add uh, to what you just uh, said. I, I do, I, if, if it's all right. Um, yeah. I, the learning piece of it, I, I just want to just highlight, um, Mika, there was a session in particular that I uh, was so attracted to. It was called Tribal Nations, U.S. Treaties, and Human Flourishing. So this was particularly important to me because um, given my role in at HUD, um, I am serving as one of the representatives on the Tribal Intergovernmental Advisory Committee at HUD. And this is as a consequence of a presidential executive order asking every single agency to really be more intentional about our uh, tribal consultations and sitting in in a session and really remarking on what what do I need to learn? What do I need to absorb? How can I receive this information so that when I come back into the workspace, that I am better prepared, more understanding, and have actually done the homework necessary to be able to contribute in a conversation that actually advances um, the priorities, the important um, goals and uh, ambitions of what the TIAC, the Tribal Intergovernmental Advisory Council, is supposed to accomplish. I got that there. Oh, I love that. That's so, um, so powerful. And thanks for sharing that, Michelle. Uh, and I, I, I often kind of think about the bureaucracy, you know, versus a professional workforce. And, you know, in my mind, the bureaucracy, it's you're stuck in fixed mindset. Here's your, here's your widget. We'll teach you how to build it once. And that's it. Uh, that's not really what we need in, in a modern professional workforce. Uh, it's not the workforce we have that has talented, smart, you know, professional employees who we should trust to learn and grow, that we should encourage uh, to learn and grow and, and to find a way, uh, like, you like you said, to, to take something and then bring it back home and apply it to your work uh, so you can do that work better. Uh, thank you again for sharing that story. Uh, we've got a pause here for our second break. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We'll be right back.
Looking for more ways to stay informed on federal news? Every Tuesday, the Fed Manager Newsletter delivers completely free, straightforward news to the federal community. The Fed Manager Newsletter features top news stories affecting the federal workforce, legislative updates impacting pay and benefits, understandable summaries of court decisions written by leading federal employment attorneys, and columns from across the federal community. Subscribe today at FedManager.com. Brought to you by the law firm of Shaw, Bransford & Roth, serving the federal community for 40 years. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. One team working all three branches. Judicial, legislative, executive. Judicial. SB&R employment attorneys offer specialized legal representation for federal managers. Legislative. Lobbyists in government and public affairs advocating for corporate clients. Executive. Produces two free weekly newsletters, Fed Manager and Fed Agent. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth is your one destination for all three branches of government. Online at shawbransford.com. SB&R. Client-focused. Results-driven. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're entering the second half of our program, and I'm joined with our guests, Trish Martinelli, the Executive Director of the Defense Entrepreneurs Forum, Michelle Perez, the Assistant Deputy Secretary of the Office of Field Policy and Management at the Department of Housing and Urban Development, uh, and Mika Cross, a federal workforce expert. I just wanted to continue the conversation that we were having before the break. Um, there's so many paths that we could go down, but uh, during the break here, we just talked about the value of uh, being in such a large crowd as opposed to, to being a prominent person potentially in the D.C. area and, and kind of the, the mode that that puts you in as an attendee, as a listener, as a learner, as a participant. We already know that you spoke and that was an important role that you had at the event, too. Um, but, but I'd just like you each to unpack that a bit, because uh, we talked during the break as well about you still have some of the value of the, that experience today, and, and you're planning on how to mine that going forward. And Mika, maybe we'll start with you on this. Well, first of all, I was super impressed to see some of our federal government agencies actually have really amazing exhibits in the exhibit hall. And so I'm going to give a shout out to the National Science Foundation specifically, um, but I thought CIA was there, um, a, a bunch of others. I know I'm forgetting. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, federal friends. But <laughs> um, what was neat was to be able to go experience that as regular participant as part of the public, right? And like also see the experiences of everyday average conference goers interact with our government friends and colleagues. Really cool. Um, also got a lot of ideas in terms of how we can think about engaging um, our users, our customers, uh, just our people that we serve every day <laughs> in order to deliver on the promise you know, of our mission a little bit differently and better. In fact, I would be a huge supporter and advocate for agencies considering to get a booth <laughs> at conferences like that um, and really think about how you can engage people in a different way and from a different perspective um, for the purpose of different outcomes. So that that was really incredibly, I don't know, just eye-opening in a different way because it was outside of, of D.C. Yeah, and I'll um, pull a thread on that. I saw a really outstanding collaboration between the Office of Industrial Policy, uh, the Industrial Policy Base Office. Um, they collaborated with a nonprofit and kind of facilitated and supported the nonprofit to run 
many different panels over the defense weekend. So it, it really, um, you know, it, it, in my day job hat um, from the Office of Small Business Programs, I was like, oh, okay, great. So next year, we can actually partner with a nonprofit and um, allow our day job work to continue as, as going, but also have this powerful platform in the space next year. So like 2024, we are definitely all going to meet there. Um, but I also like the fact that most everyone recognized me as the Defense Entrepreneurs Forum Executive Director. But when I started to talk to them and discovered that they were from a small business and they were hitting some roadblocks and doing business with the DOD, I could do something to fix it. And that is just inherently satisfying. You know, they just thought they were talking to Trish from Deaf. And then they walked away with this idea of like, oh, maybe I could be a protege in the mentor protege program. Um, so it's just really inherently satisfying. And again, those collision events, those things that are happening on the sideline, when you give them space, when you give them time, when you take your rank off at the door, um, you know, just magic starts to happen. And again, I think it plants a seed that continues to grow in everyone that attends events like this. And I'll, I'll add to that, that collision of, uh, that's such a great word because in my mind, how that collision happened at the South by, I don't even know if that's the way you say it, the South by, South by, um, the way in which it happens is so dynamic. It's almost like, a, you know, like a prism that starts reflecting off of all of these walls um, because there's so much, you know, diversity of thought, of experience, of perspective, of, of identity, of presence. I mean, I, I was just so enjoying the people watching amongst other things, right? Because the, the folks that are attracted to an event like this are those who are really to question, ready to inquire, to interrogate, to challenge. Um, and so for me, being a part of the audience of the throngs and, and for what it's worth, uh, I Googled how many people showed up because I was like, I, I can't even begin to quantify how many people come in and out. 300,000 FYI over the course of that week. I, it's, it's, it's online. Google says it's true. Um, and so as a result of that, I'm sitting in audiences. And because of the dynamic nature of who I'm sitting around, it was so easy to quite literally turn to my partner and say, hey, who are you? What do you do? Or what, what's in your life? Why are you sitting in this session? How did you pick this one out of all of them to pick? And the conversations were as wide ranging as you know, a young gentleman who, who is his own executive director of a nonprofit who works on coaching young kids on trying to find future career paths. And we ended up walking out of that session exchanging information because it's potential that given our workforce development and pipeline programs for pre-apprenticeship and job training with all of this new federal funding pouring into communities for infrastructure, that we might make a connection here. Um, and the other thing, the last session that I was in that day, back to this collision, I walk into this, actually, after I met with you, Mika, I walk into that same hall and, and there's a panel that's blasting and I'm just, it was the one that I was searching for and I turn and I'm thinking, oh, he's speaking Portuguese. Uh, and it didn't even occur to me that this was a session on housing that was uh, both in Spanish and Portuguese featuring two different countries approach in terms of addressing uh, anti-poverty initiatives and the impact of 
of housing as a stabilizing function in people's lives and in advancing society writ large. And these are the activities that they were speaking to. And so I, I go to sit down and I realized that like a third of the audience doesn't need the assistance of the interpreter as the Brazilian speaker is talking and they're laughing at the jokes and they're clapping. Um, another third of the audience doesn't need the assistance of the interpreter in Spanish. And, uh, and amongst the rest of the audience, there's conversation in multiple languages on the issue that I came to the South by to speak on, right? I, it was just the richness of that collision consistently and continuously exploded in different places, uh, that it was absolutely a place that I think HUD and, and our federal partners writ large have, um, have both the opportunity, but also the challenge to be present in, right? This is a moment for us to think about how yeah. do we contribute in this space? And just a, a reconfirmation of how valuable being able to come out of quarantine and just being arm's length away from each other is. Jason, I'd like to to piggyback on Michelle's comment around opportunity. Um, yeah, absolutely. For federal agencies to think about this. I did not see them, so, and I didn't confirm this yet, but I was thinking, what an amazing opportunity had we had, like the PIF program, the Presidential Innovation Fellowship Program, US Digital Service, maybe the PMF program, potentially like the Federal CIO Council together, collaborate on an outreach booth, to get word out around these amazing programs where we're trying to pluck the best and the brightest and bring them into government, even if for a short um, time. And then also the cyber hiring initiatives. So if anyone's listening and you have influence, I highly recommend, again, like that would be, I think a missed opportunity if we don't consider something like that um, at South by next year. I think it's just a really great way to hit, what is it, Michelle? Google says 300 thousand that's what they say right. I mean, and, and people really pay attention to the, that exhibit hall was packed day and night and oh my goodness the tech the the prototypes um the avatars i mean it's like breathtaking the things that they're showcasing so yes do we have steep competition of course <laughs> but i think it would be really cool if we would we capitalize on an opportunity like that to get in front of people who do have that same appetite, are interested, are open, and would definitely stop by to figure out what are these opportunities in, you know, in government. I'll throw in just like a little spice on top of that. So um, one of the things that people think about when they go to South by is the ticket that you get. And it's not cheap. It can be very spendy, um, you know, like on the low end, I think for the education track, if you were government, it was like 550 high end, it's close to 3000. Um, you can't always take a team of 10 with those kind of tickets. But I will say from experience that there are so many things that you can do on the sidelines with no ticket that when you're thinking about the team that you take to South by next year, keep in mind that not everyone needs a ticket especially if they're good at, um, you know, those uh, kind of uh, meet and greets. And if they're, if they're good networkers, they, you can bring them along as a developmental piece and they don't necessarily need that very spendy ticket. So keep that in mind, uh, you know, kind of like advice from the trenches. And the evening events, we didn't even talk about that. 
um, that, that you could walk into evening events and then collect, connect with other panels on the similar tracks that you are on. So it was almost a multiplication of who am I talking to on these topics, um, both within my track and outside of my track. Yeah, the evening dinners, future of work, workforce revolutionary track, amazing. I rub shoulders with billionaire entrepreneurs who are all trying to solve this future of work challenges. And I was, I was able to bring in the government perspective and learn new perspectives as well. I love that so much. Uh, we have to pause to take our uh, final break, uh, and then we'll come back for our, our final part of our discussion on South by uh, with this wonderful panel. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Looking for more ways to stay informed on federal news? Every Tuesday, the Fed Manager Newsletter delivers completely free, straightforward news to the federal community. The Fed Manager Newsletter features top news stories affecting the federal workforce, legislative updates impacting pay and benefits, understandable summaries of court decisions written by leading federal employment attorneys, and columns from across the federal community. Subscribe today at FedManager.com. Brought to you by the law firm of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth, serving the federal community for 40 years. Welcome back. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're entering the last segment of our show talking about uh, the South by Southwest event 2023. And as we're in our last segment here, I wanted to ask the perspective of all three of our panelists about thinking about this event or similar events. You know, are there advice that you have for our listeners on how does your organization decide one to show up at all? At, at at South by or at other events, how do you decide who to send? Is it the the secretary? Is it the tippy top person? Is it a deputy assistant secretary? Or how do you create that space potentially for other colleagues uh, to attend? And and I think we've covered pretty well today the value of those who show up. So I'd I'd really like the the perspective of the group on those two things. And and maybe Michelle, we'll start with you. Thanks, uh, and I'm really grateful for that question. Um, one of the things that, so I, I have about 20 some odd years of government experience as a career employee, and uh, I have recently returned as part of the Biden-Harris administration as a political appointee. And so who I am and what I bring to the table and what I represent in that experience is really important, not just to me personally as an individual with respect to my identity, um, but also as a reflection of the communities that we serve. And so the decision about surely the secretary got the invitation, right? Um, and I encourage folks to invite the secretary because she is very much one, an individual who cares about the experience of the people who use HUD services, who have come to rely upon HUD services and the role that government can play. But, you know, how we show up really speaks to a core function that is, you know, has been uh, embedded in my belief in public service, which is how do we rebuild trust in government? How do we show up in spaces when we say, you know, I represent such and such federal agency, and we understand the history and the implications of what our respective agencies have done in terms of realizing the environments that we're living in today, right? HUD and our uh, the history of discriminatory and racist policies and practices that we have implemented that got us into, uh, in many ways, either our active work or our complicity uh, or silence on issues and the ability for us to enter into rooms to say, and here is how we understand the issues today. Here is how we are approaching it. And here is how we are 
identifying leaders from across the organization to show up in spaces to really have honest and genuine conversations about how we can advance the work. It requires acknowledgement. It requires an open and honest conversation about um, what both the, the strengths of our organizations and the weaknesses so that we can collectively have a conversation about the direction that we as communities want to go. So who shows up, um, why we show up, uh, and what issues we're bringing? Are they, in fact, what folks want to talk about, what we need to talk about, and in what ways are we being accountable for our historic roles? All of this is what I was bringing with me into this space. Um, so really talking about racial justice and equity, really talking about representation, really talking about um, what it looks like in terms of the demographics of people who are experiencing homelessness, what it looks like in terms of where we're seeing the most significant impact to comorbidities. Why did we see the outcomes that we saw with COVID-19 relative to um, the transmission, infection, and mortality rates of communities who were individuals who are living in HUD-assisted housing um, who are at disproportionate risk of those outcomes. Um, that's how we walked into the space. And that is a priority and a value set that I'm particularly proud of being a part of the Biden-Harris administration because we, we are having these honest conversations and engaging others to be vulnerable enough, to be honest enough, and to help us to improve the ways in which we deliver our services by being at the places where the communities and others who also serve communities are at. And that's why I think for us, it was an easy call to say, Michelle, given you represent the 64 field offices across the country who are actively on the ground working with communities, um, that there was a decision that I would be the best representative to contribute to this conversation. Um, and I was honored and privileged to carry that baton. Well, thank you so much, Michelle Perez, uh, Assistant Deputy Secretary in the Office of Field Policy and Management at HUD for joining us. I'm so thankful that uh, our friend Mika Cross helped uh, recruit you to join us on, on Fed Talk. Uh, Mika, wanted to invite you next to, to offer some of your thoughts on the same question. Yeah, you know, just as important as representation is, so is diversity in perspective, diversity in experience, diversity in ideas. And so we really need to broaden the aperture of who has access to experiences like South by and who can participate for the betterment of our own teams, our own organizations, and the mission that we deliver every single day. And so I just encourage agencies, leaders, first-line managers to think differently, not around like who gets to be rewarded by this big experience and investment. Who can I find at the very top? Although sometimes it is the best person to represent, but like to, to come and talk about these issues or even just attend as a participant, like I said, you know, in terms of training, professional development, career growth, and expansion of your own mindset. Just really thinking broadly about that. And, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that, you know, it is Women's History Month and that you have an all-women panel. So thank you for <laughs> that diversity as well. Um, but it really does matter and it makes a difference in terms of how we're able to engage with those who we serve, connect with those who need the services of government the most, and then bring back the innovative, creative, collaborative thought mindset that we need to approach today's biggest challenges in government. So I just say like, make the investment because there's no greater one to make than in your workforce. 
Thanks so much, Mika Cross, for uh, for your wonderful thoughts as always, and for joining us here today. Uh, and Trish, uh, Trish Martinelli, Executive Director of the Defense Entrepreneurs Forum, uh, take us home. Um, well, I'll, I'll start with a bumper sticker. Uh, if you can't see it, you can't be it. So in my military career, if I went to a South by event, I would be hard pressed to find another woman. Um, and uh, this is actually something that you, you don't wear on your sleeve. But Michelle, I think this will be something I hope that'll speak to your heart. You know, I grew up in Section 8 housing. So to have, you know, to be able to make career advancements and to be at this place right now, where maybe a, a you know a sideline conversation, somebody will say to me, "Well, you know, you're you're Trish, but you know, I'm just I'm just me, and I'll you know I'll never be able to be Trish." And then you can open up a conversation that says, "Well, you don't know where I started. Let's talk about that." You know, it's really important. So where you are is not where you end. Um, and I am very intentional in the way that I show up, like Mika was saying, I, I don't really have a very polished fashion sense, but I just kind of come in my natural, <laughs> I just come in my natural uh, sensibility because there is somebody there who is like me, who like maybe doesn't feel very polished and, but sees someone reflective of that up on the stage and says, oh, you know what? I don't have to look like that to speak with authority. I wear my hair naturally, curly, and I didn't used to because I was messaged very early in my career that if you wanted to look professional, you got a blowout. And then Stacey Dixon from the intelligence community blew that right out of the water for me when she showed up rocking all of her natural flair. And I was like, I need to speak to my natural self. I need to show up with authenticity and rock my curls because there will be another curly haired person in the audience that says, Hey, if she can do it, I can do it. Um, so, you know, just being there and understanding what makes you genuinely yourself and letting it, you know, letting it shine in a way that's authentic, it, it, you know, it gives freedom to others. So Michelle Williamson said, like, when you let your light shine, you give, you unconsciously give permission for others to shine. I think that's what South by is all about. Thank you, three wonderful women leaders for, for joining us here to talk about your experiences at South by Southwest 2023. Uh, as you can know, this is indeed um, International Women's History Month. Our other Fed Talk episode this month featured just this topic, and I encourage our listeners to check that out. I again want to thank our guests for sharing uh, their wisdom, their time, their thoughts with us. This was an incredible discussion. That's all the time we have for you. Fed Talk is brought to you by the Federal Employment Law Firm of Shaw, Brinsford, and Roth. Have a great rest of your day.